Life isn't always about kicking ass. It, it really isn't. There's so much learning and growth that happens. But oh my God, please don't pass up the opportunities to try to do the thing that makes you so, so happy. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 276. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Y'all, I am so excited for this podcast episode. I know I say that a lot, but please believe me. There's several reasons I'm excited for this particular episode. First and foremost, it's one of the episodes where I just turn on the mic and start talking. It was one of those like, we need to have a conversation. I got something to say. (laughs) I talk more about it in the actual episode and it just, I had a really great session with a client and I just, I'm like, I need to tell everyone about this because I feel like so many of you can relate to what this particular client brought to the session. She brought it. She definitely did. And so did I. And what birthed it was just so much fire in my belly and in my heart, and I had to share it with you. So I think you're going to love it. And another thing I'm really excited about is, guess what's coming up? My birthday. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. (laughs) That's the thing about life. And I am turning 44. And I decided to write a post, 44 Things I've Learned in 44 Years. What else is exciting is that, and this is something I haven't, I don't even know if I've mentioned it in the last several years that the podcast has been born. May 1st is the six-year anniversary of your Kick-Ass Life podcast. How exciting is that? Yay! Cue the applause. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to present you with 44 things I've learned in 44 years. And at first I was going to split it up into two, but then I was like, that's going to still be way too long because I can be really verbose when it comes to wisdom nuggets and life lessons and things like that. So I'm going to split it up into three parts. The first one, I think is just a couple of days after my birthday on April 15th that was born on tax day. And then shout out to all the other Aries out there. Where are you at? Aries people. I could never be married to an Aries man. I'm just saying I dated a couple of them and I was like, holy shit, this is a power struggle right here. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that's a no for me. Never had any luck with Aries men, uh, but Aries women, we tend to be, we tend to be a whole lot to handle, right? All right. So April 15th is my birthday. That is when part one will come out the week after that part two. And then I think it's actually May 1st will the third part will come out and I'm going to do something exciting during those three episodes and the two weeks between my birthday, April 15th and May 1st, the six year anniversary of the podcast. I'm going to be doing some book giveaways. There's going to be other prizes and fun things happening. So stay tuned. I don't have my shit together quite yet. (laughs) This episode is coming out, but definitely I believe it's April 17th is Yes, that's correct. April 17th, when that podcast episode drops, you will get all of the information on how to enter some of the prizes that we're going to be giving away in celebration of my 44th birthday, as well as the six-year anniversary 
of your Kick-Ass Life podcast. And if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, the really easy way to do that is to A, subscribe to this podcast. I am not going to give you directions on how to do that because I don't know how. (laughs) I don't really know how to do it on iTunes. (laughs) But I trust you. I trust that you are all grown ups and that you can handle it. As well as subscribe to my mailing list. So I don't spam ya. Who does that anymore? I won't spam ya. But if you just simply text the word, kick ass, make it all one word, to 444-999. That's kick ass to 444-999. I will send you also an ebook and audio version of um, an inner critic lesson that I have that I think is very helpful. And then with that, you'll get my emails. We send out inspirational and motivational emails a few times a week. You'll get an email when the podcast comes out. So you won't miss anything and you won't miss all of the yay giveaways that we're doing for my birthday as well as the anniversary of the podcast. All right, super pumped. And hey, if you are excited when you listen to this, if you feel motivated and inspired, then stay tuned at the very, very end of the episode. I will tell you some ways to work with me privately, like Kelly, so that you can live your kick-ass life, whatever that might look like for you. So again, that's at the very end of the podcast. And without further ado, here's the episode. Okay, y'all. This is one of those episodes where I just turn on the mic and I start talking. There was one of them, a few, oh gosh, it was like a few months ago where I did the same thing. And so many of you private messaged me on Instagram and told me how much you love it. I don't even remember what the topic was. I think it was around the inner critic, around negative self-talk and getting your ass in gear about that. And I had such an incredible session with one of my clients this morning. And after we were done, I sent her a text and I'm like, would you mind if I talked about that on the podcast? I always want to ask permission because is there anything more kind of weird than listening to a podcast and then thinking, is that person talking about me? (laughs) Cause that certainly sounds like my story. So I always ask permission and The reason this particular client session was so exciting for me, selfishly as the coach, is when someone tells me ahead of time, and I always like to make sure that my clients are prepared, that they know what they want to work on for their session. We get a short 50 minutes together, and I like results. I want my clients to walk away with what they came to have. And so I asked them several questions about what's going on. What is your struggle? What have you done in the past to try to remedy this? What uh, What do you want to walk away with? What like is the best thing that you can think of having walked away from this particular session? So I have, I have this person's notes and her name is Kelly and she gave me permission to use her first name. You can probably hear me going through the notes. And here's the thing, and I use my highlighter. Here's the thing that she said that stuck out to me the most. She talks about what her biggest struggle is right now and some things that have happened in her past that she's aware that are impacting why she's struggling. And then it gets to the really juicy stuff. So here's where I ask, have you tried to solve this problem before? And if so, how? She said a lot of things. And the things that I highlighted is she says, I am struggling with how to build my self-trust. And then she goes on to say, I don't know how to make the steps to get past the fear I have with putting myself out there. I highlighted both of those things because, oh God, I have so much to say, y'all. Here's the thing. She and I talked about a lot of things. And 
one of the things I started out telling her is about when people ask, okay, it's like, let's talk about this. I don't know how to make the steps to get past the fear I have with putting myself out there. And you're putting yourself out there for her. It was a couple of different things. It was about, um, you know, maybe starting a new business, starting a new job. It could be for you having a hard conversation with someone, being more authentic with the people that I am around instead of people pleasing or trying to fit into this box of how I think people are thinking and expecting me to act. One of the other things that she said that she wanted to walk away with for us from our session, she says, I want some things I can practice or tools I can use to help with these issues. Direction on how to start to trust myself. Here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there were a step-by-step process on how to get through your fear and how to trust yourself. I mean, the self-help aisles are full of books about fear and inner wisdom, finding inner peace, and all of these things. By all means, I have written two books myself that are in the shelves of the self-help aisles. But here's what I know to be true about getting past fear and learning how to trust yourself. There is no step-by-step process. There's not. And if you wait until you find that step-by-step process, or you say to yourself, I'm going to go after that thing. I am going to put myself out there when I have enough confidence, when I can trust myself enough. Girl, you're going to be waiting forever because that is not how it works. You gain confidence and self-trust by doing the thing. The way I describe it is like this. There are two types of people in the world who go after what they want to go after, the people who are action takers. There's the people who are just totally ignorant to what could possibly be on the other side. That's kind of like a really really special place to be, right? Like when you don't know what you don't know, you're like, I'm just going to do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like children <laughs> or teenagers who feel like they're just invincible. They aren't really aware of the possible risk involved. And then there are the people who know, but have gotten to the place, I call it the tipping point, where it's the uncomfortableness, the discomfort of staying where you are, staying stuck. That is more uncomfortable than the risk of possible failure, possible public humiliation, possible people saying you're so stupid for doing that, possible falling on your face. Because that could happen. And that's what I told her. If you go and do this thing, I would be totally bullshitting you if I sat here and said, go for it. It's totally going to work. I have no idea. I have no idea if that person that you want to set that boundary with or have that hard conversation with is going to take it well and accept your request. I have no idea if that business that you want to start is going to be extremely profitable. I have no idea if you put yourself out there and start dating again, that you're going to find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect or that you won't get your heart broken again. I have no idea. This is why we go see psychics and have tarot card readers. But if you don't do the thing, the answer is always going to be no. I mean, unless by some miracle, all of all of the wishes that you have fall into your lap and drop into your lap. I don't know anyone that that's happened to. But really, how you gain 
confidence and self-trust is by doing the thing, doing the hard thing and failing at it and getting back up and looking around and going, oh, that sucked. That hurt so bad. And I lived to tell about it. I didn't die. I kind of felt like I did for a moment there. But that's how you gain self-trust is going and doing what your heart is telling you to do, the thing that you truly desire to do. And sometimes it works out and that's amazing. And that gives you confidence and courage and motivation and inspiration and kudos and all of those great things. And also failing. I've said this so many times. I've said this in, I think, both of my books. The times I have failed and fallen on my face are the times that I have learned and grown the most in my life. And there's a couple of things sort of like ancillary things that I want to mention about that is along that path, when you do decide, okay, I'm going to go for it. I am, I am in more pain remaining stuck and not trying than I am in pain of the risk of what could possibly happen. You have got to have some kind of support system. So that's my next question to this client. Like who's your support system? Not the people who are in your life maybe the obligatory family members who are going to be like, you're going to do what? Are you sure you should do that in this economy? I don't think you should talk to that person. It's never going to work out. Like the people who are echoing your own inner critic, those are probably not the people who are you, you're going to share this with and gather up in your support system, in your cheerleader section. I hope to God you have at least one person. And if you don't, that's where your focus needs to be is nurturing those relationships so you have the one person. Maybe it's your therapist. Maybe it's your life coach. Maybe it's your partner. Maybe it's your coworker, your neighbor, whomever. Who is this person? This particular client had a person. So yes, her homework was to tell this person in her life what she is planning on doing. And here's the thing where... In this conversation with this client, and this is where sort of the runaway train happened, is she's, and this, oh my God, this happens, you guys. I'm having a conversation with a client and they're talking, lots of words are coming out of their mouth and it's one sentence that they say, and we're trained to listen for these things. I, even when I'm not in coaching sessions, my my kid's tutor came over a couple weeks ago and she's talking, talking about stuff. And she's like, you know what I've always wanted to do? Like that, that preface of a sentence, forget it. That's like a life coach's wet dream right there. We're like, what? (laughs) You don't say that to a life coach and expect us to be like, that's nice. (laughs) Good for you. No, that is, that is what we live for. So this particular client in saying lots of words and she says, well, and we had talked about a couple of different avenues for a career that she had gone down and that were possibilities. And she says to me, and I wrote it down in all caps, it's the one thing that makes me happy. And she was talking about being around horses and working with horses. It's the one thing that makes me happy. And then she continued on to another sentence. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. Stop right there. Did you just say Did did you mean what you said? (laughs) I heard you say it. Being around horses, working with horses is the one thing that makes me happy. Do not tell me that. And then in 30 or 40 years, we run into each other and I ask you, hey, whatever happened to that one thing that makes made you happy? Did you did you ever go and do that? And you say, no, I never did it. I proceeded to ask her, okay, 
Who's someone you admire? Name a woman that you admire. All of you listening right now, name a woman that you admire. And what do you admire her for? What does she do? What does she embody? What does she do and embody that you know is her destiny, you know is her superpower? And she was kind of like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, let's just like pull somebody out of the air that pretty much everybody likes. Betty White. Who doesn't love Betty White? I, I have a coaster on my desk right now. By the way, my desk is such a mess right now, but I had to turn on the mic <laughs> to record this podcast episode. Who doesn't love Betty White? Betty White, it is her destiny to be a funny lady. It is her destiny to be an entertainer and to bring so much joy to so many people's lives. Can you imagine her having a conversation in her younger years saying, entertaining and comedy is the one thing that makes me happy? And then she never did anything with it. Like how the, the world would be missing the gift that is Betty White. Fill in the blank of whoever your person is. I have written journal entries when I have felt, when I personally have felt small and scared about the next step in being an author. When my second book was about to come out, I think I've mentioned this before, I did some work on that because I had a feeling, I had a very strong intuitional feeling that with my first book, I had so much resistance about being seen and showing up and up-leveling that I may have energetically not allowed that book project to be as big as she could have been. And so I was like, I'm not doing that this time around. So I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of work. And I mean, it was a lot of different like kind of woo things, just whatever my kind of internal compass was telling me to do. One of those things was journaling. And I wrote, I have a specific journal entry where I said, what if Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and all these women writers and authors whom I admire, what if they would have been afraid to play a bigger game? What if they would have been afraid to put themselves out there and listen to their inner critic that told them better not? Don't make people uncomfortable. No one's going to like it. Like, by God, who would I have to look up to? (laughs) Who would there be? I'm so thankful that they bypassed their inner critics, that they decided, they made a decision to go for it. I can probably bet all the money I have that they had some kind of support system around them, cheering them on, that they weren't constantly going to the people who were going to squash their dreams and say, better not. You don't need that. You already have the voice in your head that tells you that you probably shouldn't. And speaking of that voice in your head, this is another direction that the conversation went. And I reminded her about the inner critic. And the reason it came up, the way that it came up, was that she said, when she's talking about working with horses, she says, well, it's impractical. Okay. Like, like that is like the biggest red flag of the inner critic. And let me tell you why. The inner critic's main job, like it literally has one job, you guys, just the one. And that is to keep you in your comfort zone. That's it. That's all it has to do. It's a manifestation of fear. We need fear. We need fear when we are being chased by a murderer with a knife so that we run away. We need fear so that when something is actually dangerous, we listen to that intuition and we act on it. Inner critic thinks that we are in danger when we are thinking about stepping out of our comfort zone. 
Any kind of up-leveling your life, setting a boundary, going after something new, being your authentic self when other people might not be ready for it, that is outside of your comfort zone. That is risk, it's exposure, and inner critics, no. Inner critics do not like that. It's They are mortal enemies with those things. It will try to do whatever it can to keep you in your comfort zone because it thinks that it needs to keep you safe. So what we also need to do is learn to recognize that voice. What is the difference between actual real fear that is helpful to us and what is your inner critic? Inner critic says things like, that's impractical. Do you think it was practical for Betty White to go into a career of comedy, especially Back in the 50s and 60s, I have no idea, but I'm assuming that's when she, when her career was starting, when she was, when she was young, probably even a few people in her life said that's impractical. You should probably just go be a secretary, a teacher, or a nurse, which were like pretty much the options of women back then, the best options for career. It was impractical for her to do that. So many people before me who have paved the way and pioneered It was impractical for them to do what they wanted to do, to do what was their destiny. Be impractical. I beg of you to at least try the impractical. People tend to be uncomfortable, especially with women being impractical. We are expected to be nurturing and, you know, kept within a certain, I don't know what the word I'm looking for because I just get so fired up about it. And and family members too. They just they just are looking out for our best interests, right? They want us to do. I mean, I have children myself. I would I would love for them to go to college. I would love for them to, you know, kind of do the safe thing. But more than that, like I want them to be happy. I want them to follow their destiny. So if they said to me, the one thing that makes me happy is to work with horses, or to you know, I don't know make balloon animals or something like that. If that's the thing that makes you happy, I am going to grit my teeth and smile and allow you to go down that path to figure it out because that's what life is about. It's walking these paths with the possibility of failure, but also with the possibility of seriously kicking ass at it. Really, really. Life isn't always about kicking ass. It, it really isn't. There's so much learning and growth that happens. But oh my God, please don't pass up the opportunities to try to do the thing that makes you so, so happy. One of the other reasons I was emphasizing the support system to my client is because what can happen is that a client will get off the call with me and they'll feel totally pumped and motivated. And then a couple of hours goes by, they go back to their real life the next morning. And even you listening to this podcast episode, feeling pumped, right? I might even listen to it twice. And then tomorrow happens and it's all out the window. What I encourage people to do, you listening to this as well as my client, is have the person that you tell, talk to them about the session, talk to them about this podcast episode, and ask them to hold you accountable. Here's the thing that I want to do. Will you hold me accountable to this? Don't let me off the hook for it. Please hold my feet to the fire about this. This is important to me. I am going to try to, I will probably try to back out of this. I will probably give you excuses. And please remind me of who I am. 
That's one of the reasons I paid a whole boatload of money to join a mastermind because this particular coach, I knew she would constantly remind me who I am and just being around her would remind me of who I am. And I'm already seeing big results. I'm doing the work. I'm not saying that like just by osmosis, things are happening. I'm doing the work, but I have intentionally created a support system that matches the goals that I want. What is that for you? What we concluded the session with was some homework assignments that were small. She's not going to run away from her life and get out a $200,000 loan from the bank to start some equestrian thing. I don't know what they're called, but it's small steps. So the first one I already mentioned, reach out to her friend that is a great support system to her. And for many of you, this is just research. What can you Google to take a small step in the direction that you want to go? I know a lot of you listening might want to be life coaches or motivational speakers, like research how to get started in that. Maybe you know someone who's recently gone through life coach training or something or, or to be a health coach or a yoga teacher, like talk to them, just see what's out there. Your inner critic is going to go nuts. Your inner critic is going to be like, you can't, no, no, not for you. Think about Betty White. Think about Betty White (laughs) and what her inner critic probably said to her. What would Betty White do? And for me, it's what would Chacha de Gregorio do? If you haven't listened to that podcast episode, I'm going to drop a link in the show notes and you need to go listen to it because I have such affection for Chacha de Gregorio and her confidence. Yes, from the movie Grease. What would Betty White do? Whoever it is that you admire so much, ask yourself what she would do. There were a couple of other small assignments that this client has and really the gist of it is what small thing that you can you do that will take you one step closer to that thing that makes you so happy. There was a woman in my Raise Hell program last year and creativity kept coming up a lot for her. And she was so busy with work. She had a partner, lots of things, right? The giant to-do list like we all have. I It probably sounded like I was beating a dead horse about her doing something to honor that value around creativity for her. And she and I are Facebook friends and I always see her posts about this, these art classes that she's taking and posting her class. And I'm like, yes, woman. Yes. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it doesn't have to be a career path, but the thing that lights you up, I mean, this is life coaching 101 y'all. Like this is why we are here to Be fulfilled to have these fulfilling lives. And I think sometimes we make up that it has to be grandiose. It doesn't. It can be these small steps that you take. Maybe it's a path. Maybe it's small steps that you're taking for this thing to be grandiose. Or maybe it's small steps that you're taking to fulfill something in your life that makes you happy, that lights you up. What is that? And I just always go back to that question of at the end of your life, When you look back at 2019, are you going to be proud of that you listened to your inner critic, that you let it win out, that you were practical? Or are you going to be proud of the risks that you took? So many people, we hear that all the time. It's like in memes all up and down Instagram, the regrets of the dying. I wish I would have taken more risks. Take more risks. God, they're scary. They really are. But that Circling back, that is where you find self-trust. That is where you find 
confidence. That is how you bypass fear by just fucking doing it. And I want to I want to close with this one story that I I think I've told on the podcast before. I know that I've said it in one of my books. And I was telling Kelly this on in our session today. And it was about when I wanted to play roller derby. So I had been watching roller derby's sort of reemergence in the late 2000s and it sort of had this reemergence around 2004 2005 in Austin, Texas. And I was sort of watching it a little bit on the internet and just so fascinated with it. And of course, thinking like I could never do something like that, but secretly it was like, oh my God, if I could do anything, I would want to do that. I would want to go hang out with those women. And I went to a derby bout, which by the way, if you have never been to one, support your local roller derby and go, especially if you are in Portland, Oregon, the Rose City Rollers, where else? God, there's so many great, there's so many great derby leagues out there. New York, like Gotham has been champions forever and ever. Amen. Texas. So I went in San Diego and saw the San Diego Derby dolls and was like, oh my God, I'm in love. Like get me, get me on the track, but secretly like, no, never. And then we moved to the state of Utah. I got, that's also when I got sober And I remember I had this moment. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was some kind of like divine intervention that was plopped into my mind. But I thought to myself, what if in 10 or 20 years, I'm with my kids and we see something, we see roller derby on TV or out and about. And I say out loud, I always wanted to play roller derby. And my son or daughter turns to me and says, why didn't you? And what am I going to say that I was scared that at 35, 36 years old, when I wanted to play, that I felt like I was too old, that I didn't to think I was good enough, that I was afraid I was going to get hurt, that I wanted to be practical, that it was impractical for a mother in her mid to late 30s to go out and play roller derby. Like that is pretty much the most impractical thing ever, right? And I had that sort of vision and could not be with that. So there's that tipping point. The pain of staying stuck becomes just a little bit more than the pain of the risk, the fear of putting yourself out there and trying and going for it when there are no guarantees that it's going to work out. I have no idea if these women are going to be nice to me. I have no idea if I'm going to fall on my face and crack my teeth out of my head. This is my face, (laughs) y'all. And I'm not in my early 20s like a lot of those women were. And I just couldn't, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear not trying. I couldn't bear that hypothetical possible conversation that may or may not happen with my children of them asking me, well, how come you never did it? You know, here I am preaching women's empowerment and hoping to God my daughter grows up to do the impractical thing and take risks in her life and just live a life on fire. And I was was too scared to go out and roller skate with some other women. And so we went to a, and also my husband made a comment about 
like how he, he, I can't remember what he said. Either he didn't think I could do it or he thought I was going to get my ass handed to me out there on the track or something. And cause we, he had gone with me to a derby bout and saw what was going on. And I was like, oh, well then it's on. I'm, I'm the type of person who's highly motivated by a challenge or a, you know, some friendly competition. So it was on. And so we went to another bout and I nervously, you know, as we were buying our tickets, there was a couple of derby girls there. And I was like, hi, can you tell me about your tryouts? And they were super nice. They were like, absolutely. Here's when it is. Here's what you need to have. You can come to a practice and watch if you want to check it out. Here's who you need to contact. And I did it. And I went. And I tried out and I made it. And I mean, truth be told, there's a lot of leagues out there. I think most leagues, like all you have to do is be able to stand up somewhat upright on the skates and they teach you everything you need to, everything you need to know. It's not like trying out for the NFL. (laughs) You get scouted. No, but still it was super scary. Like on my level, it was super scary. Derby hurts. Like it's not golf. And it was the most fun I have had in a long time. I was obsessed with, it was like the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning, the last thing I thought about when I went to bed. Derby is, I I still love it. I still love to watch. I am retired now. It, It just was one of those things where I gained so much confidence and courage and self trust and like the, oh my God, I can do this. I can go and do this thing that so many people might think like that would be cool to do and never go out and do it. Like how many percentage of people do marathons or start their own businesses or write books and like all of these things that we deem as so scary and impractical, we don't because it's scary and we're worried about failure. Oh my gosh. All right. I feel like I'm going on and on at this point. So to summarize, be impractical, have your support system, know that your inner critic's one job is to keep you in your comfort zone and that like, like no magic happens there at all. It's like the whole like no sex happens in the champagne room, no magic happening in the comfort zones, none. And then the last thing is what are some small steps you can do that takes you on the journey of living your kick-ass life, that even those small things are enough for you to live your kick-ass life. All right, sermon over. I'm dismounting my soapbox with a flip, of course. And I just, I want, I want the most for you, my ass kickers. I want I want you to live your destiny. And I know that if you are here, whether you're here every fucking week, or if this is the very first episode that you've ever listened to, or if you're just like a sometimes listener, you were not made for a mediocre life. Like you're here because you want to be better. You're here because you want to live a life full of fire, full of impracticality. All right. So put that on a t-shirt and thank me for it later. Be impractical. And until next time, ass kickers, I will see y'all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Oh, hey, one more thing. If you loved this episode, you might want to consider working with me privately. I 
clearly am passionate <laughs> about you living your best life, your most kick-ass life. What I would recommend if you feel super pumped is my, I call it the YKAL open sessions. It's eight sessions over a handful of months where you bring a couple of things that are your primary focus. What is your top priority? Do you need to set boundaries with people and you have no idea how? Do you want to live your values, but you don't really know where to start? If you resonated with that and how to stop feeling like shit, you can bring that. Are you someone who maybe owns your own business and is struggling to level up, struggling to put yourself out there? Your inner critic seems to have a hold on you. Then that package is for you. I also have another package that's longer. That's my signature program that is curriculum-based and we go much deeper. But if you super resonated with this, then you might want to check out the YKAL open sessions. That link will be in the show notes. There's an application. And if it's a good fit, let's get it on.